Next Chapter Podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. to get funked up by Parliament from the 1975 record Mothership Connection. It's also number 276 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. What is up, Fleece Army? Hope you're having a good week. I know I am. I've got so much stuff going on. I am on the road a lot. March, well, let's hear, let's start at the end of February. February 26th, I'm doing the goddamn Comedy Jam at the Comedy Store. February 27th, I'm doing Shimmy Shimmy Ya at the Comedy Store. Then, March 3rd and the 4th, I'll be at the Greensville, South Carolina Comedy Zone. March 17th and 18th, I will be at the Greensboro, North Carolina Comedy Zone. And then I will be at the Comedy Store in Los Angeles again, March 19th and the 20th, doing the jam and shimmy. Sunday's always jam, Monday's always shimmy. And then April, we got Moon Tower in Texas. Uh, I'm going, I'm doing the Jacksonville Comedy Zone in June. I've got a bunch of stuff coming up, also a huge tour. I am going to be on the road from July 28th till October 15th with Jelly Roll, 3-6 Mafia, uh, Young Gravy, it's a huge arena tour. Me and my band are opening and kind of like hosting the show. Uh, more details to come, but it's happening. I took the I took the number that they offered and it's gonna rule. So if you're out there in 45 different cities, come, it's gonna be an experience. And you know, why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be? It's me, the only comedian that decided to go through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums. And he doesn't know shit about music. I think I'm funny. Hopefully I'm funny enough to entertain you guys. To entertain the 46-year-old dude 
who just wants to get down and learn about Parliament. All right, what do we got to do now? Oh, yeah, the Patreon. Uh, every Wednesday, we publish full episodes to Patreon for the 500 Club members paying $5 or more a month, and we really appreciate all the support. So, please support the show, patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. Jeremiah and his buddies are doing a, a follow-up podcast uh, about the episodes that we've done, so you can learn more in-depth details. Uh, there's questions you can ask to the guests if you subscribe to the Patreon, and... Uh, you get merch. So come on, help us out. Help us out. All right. Parliament Funkadelic. Is this is, I don't know if this is Funkadelic. I just think this is Parliament. I'm a fan of George Clinton. I respect him. I, I don't know a lot of his music, but I loved Maggot Brain. Maggot Brain, as I'm going to talk about with my guest, Chris Porter, the one and only Chris Porter uh, from Last Comic Standing from his uh, his special Ugly and Angry. He's got a new special coming out. Uh, his Comedy Central present. He's just he's just one of my oldest friends in uh, stand-up comedy. Uh, he's one of the main reasons I started doing the goddamn Comedy Jam, watching comedians like him uh, jam. And, and I've just, we've been brothers ever since. We just have so much love for one another. Um, but this was fun because I put the smoke signal out to, to find a guest because we couldn't find one and he immediately hit me up on Twitter. It was like, dude, I'm down. It's one of my favorite records and uh, great, great episode. Oh, by the way, you can go to chrisportercomedy.com for all ticket info. All right, let's do the plugs. Rate, review, and subscribe to The 500 and listen free anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. I post clips uh, three days a week. Uh, joshadammyers.com for all tickets. Uh, for all the shows I got coming up, uh, you can go to there or go to my link tree on my Instagram. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com if you got any questions or concerns. Follow the Facebook group. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, Mothership Connection by Parliament at 276. Here we go. Uh, there's a whole lot of rhythm going down. I've been doing this for, for seven hours. We got some real type of thing. We're going down, getting down. Got a whole lot of rhythm going round. I fucking knew you were going to love this record, dude. I put out the Bat Signal and Chris Porter saw it and came to save the day. I, I genuinely didn't think... I. I that was a shot in the dark. I was like, there's no way of all people he's gonna pick me to do this just because of my glasses and the color of my skin. Okay, you said it. There you go. Okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. Well, this is what I love about about music and I love about you, is because one, I'll trade I'll trade friendship and and great conversation with somebody that I feel comfortable with and I've known for fucking years. Like I'll take that over and dude, Avery who doesn't know shit about music has done like nine podcasts in the pinch <laughs> just because it's like, who do we get for Richard and Linda Thompson? I don't even know who the fuck they are until we started doing this. Yeah. No parliament. Uh, yeah. I was telling your producer and I'm, I already forgot your name. Jeremiah. It's all right. Jeremiah. It's all good. Uh, I was telling Jeremiah, uh, you know, I played drums as a kid. So this record, I, tried to play every song on it. Cause I knew this was, these were the funk grooves. This was the blueprint. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then Parliament Funkadelic was my first, the first concert I went to like on my own. Really? Yeah. I remember me and a buddy of mine, my best friend at the time, uh, you know, we were huge fans and they were playing some free show downtown. Mm. And we, we got my buddy's Jeep, drove downtown from the sticks and sat there. And that was like the first time I saw like someone smoked weed out of a one hitter, like the little cigarette one. I was oh, like, yeah, still why does that. this dude keep lighting a cigarette? Like, what's going <laughs> it's on bad, here? It's a bad cigarette. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> definitely not a Marlboro. Definitely. And it was just like you saw Parliament fucking. They played three hours straight. Like people would come on, come off, doing a diaper. George Clinton showed up like 20 minutes into the show. Uh, it was just. Yeah, so this record has always been a, a huge moment in my life, especially in my teens. Let's well, let's start because I've I've known you for it'll be fifteen years in August that I've known you because I met you one of the first people I met when I got into stand up comedy. And what's was so funny is like I'm writing a, a new bio for this tour I'm going on, and I'm like yeah. trying to like like write it, and it was just like. I was like, cause I'm, cause I'm doing the, this, I'm, well, you know, Jelly Roll, right? Yeah. You know, Jelly Roll for, yeah. So I'm going on tour with Jelly Roll through an arena tour through like all over America, like 45 cities. Oh, that's in, awesome. I'm, well, he saw me do the jam. He saw me open and he was like, I want that. I want you to do that at the, in the beginning and in the middle of each one of my shows and bring up all the acts. And that's great. Thank you. But what was funny is I'm trying to write the bio bio for like for for not just my stand up, but like how I suddenly became this comedy and music dude. And then I and I was like, how much time do I spend on the unknown theater, which is one of the most important places in my life for everything that I've done. And if I never would have gone there, if Angelo never would have taken me there, if that show never existed, who fucking knows? So. Yeah. So, so, so I want to go back because I've known you for that many years, but I'm thinking to myself, I was like, you've always been into music and you've always kind of had the chops to sing and to play guitar. So I want to, before we even get into this record to, to find out how influential it was, I want to find out because I know you're from Kansas. Yep. And then, and then you're a mystery. Then you're a professional wrestler. And then it's like, you know, parts unknown. <laughs> like, <laughs> so... So, so tell me, like, how'd you get so into music? Uh, so my uncle was a musician my whole life. Like growing up as a kid, we would go watch uncle Jeff play. Uh, and he was way into, uh, reggae and ska and funk and all these, you know, he was the quintessential white. He should have had dreads. He should have been the white guy with dreads that just knew about all the musics and was very pretentious and very, how dare you listen to the black crows? They're just ripping off the stones. Yeah. Jack black, and Jack black and high fidelity, just judgmental over every record that somebody uh, brings up to the counter. But you know, parliament to him was they're like them and the meters. Like they, that's funk. That's the blueprint of funk. Yeah. And so, and parliament, you know, this record you know, you just start it off and it's just like, good evening, everybody. It's like something you've never heard your entire life. Yeah. And, and they're welcoming you in not only to this album, but into this world that they're doing. And so like there was, you know, the nineties was poison and Bon Jovi. And yeah. so to, to like, then <laughs> the golden era, as I like the to call golden, it, <laughs> the golden <laughs> era. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so, 
you know, for someone that was looking for something that was more depth and more, you know, funk and soul has always been ground zero for me. Like I just, that music is so undeniable. And so, you know, as a kid, I was, I was a drummer. And so I just wanted to learn these, these grooves, these drum beats, because I just thought they were so amazing. And so, and then, you know, so I was always being, my, my musical sense was always being influenced by him. And so I was always the guy that would show up to high school with an Otis Redding record and people would be like, you're a loser. I'm like, am I though? Now, is, uh, is he, isn't he not the greatest rock star frontman of all time? In my opinion, he yeah. is, he, it's like, dude, if, if there was just more video of Otis Redding and besides some of these live, like, have you ever, I know you, I know you have Chris, but have you heard the Otis Redding, uh, there's like three discs live at the whiskey go-go. Like he did the, if you haven't listened to it, listen to it. it it's okay. like, people always like, people always like, you know, if you can go see any concert in the history of mankind, what would you go see? And like, you'd be like, oh, I want to see Bob Marley or Queen at Wembley or this. And I'm like, dude, if I go see Otis Redding, it's at at the whiskey, it's just listen to it and it'll change everything you know about Otis where you're like, that might've been one of the greatest concerts man has ever put on. For sure. And like, if you, you know, I'll go into these old radio stations and you see these old soul bills where it's like Otis Redding, Aretha Franklin, Ray yeah. Charles. You're like, and it was $8. Yeah. <laughs> just like, what? <laughs> like, that's the show. You're, you're absolutely right. Those are the shows that I, given that chance when I die, those are the shows I'm going to see. Who, wait, but no, asking this sincerely though, right now, and I want to answer from both of you, uh, Chris, you see anybody, anybody, who are you going to see? Aretha Franklin in her twenties. In her twenties? Or twenties, thirties, like when Skinnier. she's <laughs> a little yeah. fitter. A little but fitter. also just killing it. Yeah. You know, like 71, 72, like Amazing Grace, like that era. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would I would go see that in a heartbeat. JT, what about you? Dealing with dead people, like because we can still see Paul McCartney. I mean, I know John Lennon, uh, because I'm such a Beatles dude. I got the tat right here, but um, I don't know. After that, that David forearm. Bowie album, I want to see David after Ron Bennington told us that David Bowie story of like quieting the room of famous people because he was yeah. just that big of a star. Like, I'd love to see David Bowie. I'm I'm Otis Redding, or I want to be there for the world premiere of uh of Beethoven's uh Symphony Number no. Nine. Like, I think that would be fucking dope. Like, just to like you know, like, do you think they like Great. pre-gamed before that kind of shit? You know what I mean? It's like, or if they left, like, man, that shit was off the hook, <laughs> dude. When the fucking strings and the opera singers came out, oh, dude. Let me get a bump of that snuff, that weird powder we got from these Native American people. Oh man, <laughs> these indigenous. Those cellos just made me want to fuck a girl in nineteen dresses. <laughs> you the whole time you're just trying to like you're looking at your girl like, god damn, she's got so many layers on. How the fuck am I going to? I bet it really stinks down there. There's none of us bathe. And there's no AC either. There's no AC. Uh. Could you imagine how just gross sex was in the 1600s? Do you want to? Not really at all. Yeah, it's like like maybe like like the Black Plague was like them getting COVID. It's like, I got the plague, so right now I can eat your ass. I can't taste or smell or anything. I'm also going to die. I'm also going to die in two days. So let's get it out. No one had sex in August. 
exist no. back in the day. They were just like, no, I got to really like you. Yeah, no wonder No wonder England was so popping. It was so cold there that it was like, keep the bussy at a temperature that is pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> got to keep it fresh. <laughs> keep it fresh, dude. Yeah, I ain't going to fucking Spain. What are you kidding me? <laughs> no way. Um, all right, so, so you're into, because yeah, you are. You have like a Southern... The Southern roots and not even so much like where you're from, but just the music that I've noticed you really, really like, you know what I mean? Like you, when you listen to, when you talk about the stones or something like you like their bluesier side and you like the muddy waters and you love, like, we both have that fucking, that, that, that connection to, to black crows, which, you know, is such a huge band of both of our lifetimes. And, but I didn't know that funk was something that you really were drawn to. Like, so what, what was it? Is it just the groove or is it? Oh, a hundred percent. It's all about the groove. And it's same thing with Motown. It's, and it's why those songs can't be. Listen, I love the black crows, but that version of hard to handle is fucking awful. And uh, I've said that to them, so I don't mind no. saying that out loud. Wait, what uh, but also, wait, 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 no, 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 no. You can't skirt over that. Like, how did that conversation I, I didn't say it up? was awful. We were just talking about, you know, hey, man, not for nothing, but I don't really like your version of that song. And and Rich just told me, he's like, hey, man, it wasn't really what they, Rick Rubin and George Draculius came to them and they go, we want to do hard to handle, but we want to do it like walk this way. The Aerosmith song, because that was the big, because they were doing the run DMC thing at the time. And they're like, Mm. let's just do hard. So if you go back and listen to hard to handle the Black Crows version, it's 100 percent trying to be walked this way. Yeah, the beat, the groove right at the beginning, that even the way the drums sound. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so Uh, funny because that's the song that that I found out about them and they broke. I mean, realistically, that was what got them on MTV. 100%. 100%. But if you listen to the Otis Redding version, yeah, that's a 10 times better version. And that groove is just like, what is happening? Yeah. And it's just these fucking white dudes from Alabama just playing these greasy ass licks. Yeah. And so, and it just came, and, and it's the honesty. It's the like, and I think that's what brings me to all music, any music that I'm into is that it's genuine, that it's honest, it's from w- their experiences. And, uh, and that's, what's great about this record is like, it's from note one, from word one, you were walking into George Clinton's world yeah, and his vision. And it's, you're getting on the first two songs is him telling you what's about the fuck to happen. <laughs> and then the second song is him basically giving you a tour of the mothership. Yeah. Like, if you really like, it's got like, and I just have this vibe of him just like walking around going, Hey, that's where the kitchen is. And that's where yeah. you sleep. And, da, 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 da. and we'll be the state laundry machine only job. takes quarters, but space uh, yeah. quarters. So don't worry about it. We got, we got a, we got a fucking machine to break. And if you quarters. just want to walk around with no clothes on, that's fine too. I got a we, big dick. <laughs> My pubes are dreadlocked and colorful. And, and, the, and, and all the music, like if you listen to it, they're playing what is necessary and nothing else. Like those, there's no extra notes. There's no guy going, I'm going to do, I'm going to stretch my guitar dick here. Like most of the time, it's just the guitar is just playing along with the bass. The Bernie Worrell's on the keys, just doing some weird jazz thing. And it's just like the whole record is just a blueprint on how to funk. 
Is this is this considered uh, like top five funk records or even like, if not the greatest funk record ever? Because I don't know the list that we've got coming up, Jared. I mean, if you want to peek and see if there's any other funk, but it's like, this I is... Mean, the Meters. The Meters. Gonna be the Meters, James Brown. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. In the but this is different. Group. This is, but hold on, but this is different funk than James Brown funk. 100%. This is like, this is, you know, this, all right. Because I, 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 I'll say this about uh, what I know about Clinton, because realistically, I know, you know, Atomic Dog and the hits that I played at bar mitzvahs and shit like that. <laughs> when I used to do, yes, that's how I got introduced to George For Clinton. Sure. Atomic Dog, you put that on at a, at a fucking bar mitzvah, even the rabbi would get up there. And, but, but ain't nothing but the dog in me. Yeah, he's, he's doing the slap in the shoe, getting into it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The we when we first started doing the podcast early on, which you were on in one of the first 10 episodes when you did ZZ Top with me, we had we had uh Funkadelic Maggot Brain. And I still say this. That record was is not only maybe one of my favorites that I've discovered from doing this podcast, but it was it was like the sixth sense ending when I turned it on because I was expecting this. I was yeah. expecting, you know, with the be bop with the boop the bop and when that song that album opens with once again, George Clinton talking, you know, uh, the, the world's died or Mother Earth is dang or whatever it was. And then you go into that guitar solo from Eddie something. I can't remember. And then you find out that the guy was on LSD and he told him to play like he just found out his mom died. And then in the middle of the recording goes, but now I want you to play like she came back to life. And he's and he's fucking tripping balls. And then and then it goes into can I get to that? And it goes into. Oh my God! Uh, man, like yeah. all, all of that to me was was like a slap in the face of like, wait, like, wait, is, this is not only is this not really funk, but this is one of the most banging rock albums rock. that I have yeah. that I'd heard yeah. in, in you know in years. Eddie in, Hazel, in, in, Eddie but Hazel, you have to yeah. understand Funkadelic at, at the you know now it's Parliament Funkadelic. They're the same thing, but at the time Funkadelic. Was a di- I mean, and they were the same members for yeah. the most part. But Funkadelic was like the weird, the fucking we're going to do whatever the fuck we want to do and just put it out there. And then Parliament was more the I mean, for lack of a better term, like the pop stuff, the radio, the more. Amateur friendly music. And so that's why you have 
that's why they're so different is because when they were parliament, they're like, Hey, let's, let's turn the groove on. Let's get fucking asses shaking in the seats. And Funkadelic was more like, yeah, we make them dance. We make them dance. Well, let's do these drugs and just see what happens. Yeah. What right, so- artists have like this dual personality? Like that's just fucking crazy. Garth Brooks. Yeah. Chris, Gaines. Yes. Chris Gaines, dude. <sighs> fucking uh, who else? Like, I'm, that's actually a really good question. Um, I mean, Chris Robinson, to some extent, did it with the Chris Robinson Brotherhood. Definitely was the more grateful daddy thing as opposed to the rock and roll black crowsy thing um trying to think who else yeah because there are other people that that like write in like a pseudonym uh where they're like you know this yeah this is this is being released but not like well i'm i guess a lot of there's a lot of artists these days that go by different names and there's some kind of like under the radar and they're like, we just want to do some weird shit. And like, All right, oh, I got yeah. one. I got one, but it's in hip hop. Uh, Del the funky homo sapien did Deltron uh, 3030. And that was like his, you know, more, you know, it's almost like his, that he went from like doing parliament to then doing funkadelic. And I yeah. know that's a stretch and not nearly on the level of what we're talking about here, you know, but it is considered this great hip hop record. That's so fucking out there. Um, uh, Damon that, Albarn with the gorillas. Yes, there you go. There yeah. you go. That's a, that's a really good pull because, because I've really gotten into his music over the last couple years. Okay. And like, now I'm going back and listening to blur and then his solo shit is, is fucking brilliant. But the gorillas are like, I mean, dude, I saw them live and I was just like, God damn, there's like there's like 20 members on stage and they put on a fucking concert. It's yeah. great music. Well, you have to when there's 20 people in the band. That's true. Yeah. It's you got to put the asses in the seats. <laughs> yeah, it's like we got a lot <laughs> of people to pay, somebody. dude. Like I always feel move. bad for like bands like Punk Parliament and like Earth, Wind and Fire or uh, Blood, Sweat and Tears. We're like, there's 11 dudes. Yeah, it's a lot of money to. Could split, you imagine dude. being the auxiliary percussionist? Like you're first one on the chopping block, so you better bring that tambo and you better bring it hard. <laughs> it's like fuck, I lost my cowbell. It's like the other guy in the band's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not giving you mine. I'm not giving. Yeah. You, like I, I want your bunk. There's <laughs> a guy that plays for uh, Elton, and he plays for a couple of other guys, but he's always the guy that like hits a tambourine and does this whole thing. And we were watching a live thing and my mom's like, why is he doing all that shit? I was like, he's trying to save his job. <laughs> he's trying to, he needs a, he's like, no, the people love me because of my Tambo sunsets. <laughs> Tambo sunset. Hashtag Tambo sunset. That, if just so we know that you're listening to this episode. Hashtag Tambo sunset. I'm assuming T-A-M-B-O and then sunset. Oh, that was, that's fucking brilliant. Um, well, here, I wanted to get to, because I think a lot of people, they might not have listened to the, to the funkadelic uh record that we did on this and some probably have no idea other you know than george clinton in this record so i want to see do we have a little doodad about how they became how is because i've got his i got a little bit of his bio so you have so george clinton is born in 1941 in north carolina he first formed the doo-wop group the parliaments in 1955 out of a barbershop in new jersey for a period in the 60s he was also a staff songwriter for the motown label the Parliament scored a minor hit with the 67 single, I Want to Testify. Clinton wanted to form a touring band on the heels of this success, planting the seeds for both his bands. However, in the 70s, the group had formed into a collective that found success under the names of Parliament and Funkadelic. 
So Clinton's uh, earlier albums for the collective included their debut Free Your Mind and Your Ass Will Follow, as well as Parliament's Awesome Mew. I don't know if I, I said that right, but however, here we go. It was Maggot Brain that first established the collective as a force to be reckoned with, made evident through Clinton's trippy musical vision. Uh, the collective would record many albums after that, ranging from 72's lengthy America Eats Its Young to 75's Energetic Let's Take It to the Stage. But it wasn't until the critically acclaimed Mothership Connection that P-Funk would truly break through as a musical deity, combining surreal lyricism and eccentric fashion sense and strong musicianship. So, and I, I want everybody, and I know, I know we've all listened to Maggot Brain, but if you're listening to this podcast and you've listened to Mothership Connection, do yourself a favor, because you'll enjoy this record even more if you listen to Maggot Brain before this. And oh, you for see, sure. And you see, it's like, holy, because there's elements of Maggot Brain in this, and then there's elements of this in Maggot Brain but it's like this is like going from this is going from like creep by Radiohead to suddenly listen to Paranoid Android. This is like such a departure in such a different direction uh, yeah. that I think it makes this record even more enjoyable than it already is to listen to, which that is a that is an easy statement because this is one of the more fun records you could put on since we started doing this. Oh, yeah. And it's just especially, you know, first four tracks, you have three of the greatest funk songs of all time. Yeah. And and also like all of Dr. Dre's arsenal in the first first two records that he ever did. Um, you know, and also the difference, you know, Parliament and James Brown, a lot of this you get, you know, George Steele's Bootsy and Catfish and the drummer. And he, he brings them all over from James's band. And it was basically like James's band. Don't do drugs, play the songs. Right. And if you fuck up, you get fined. But if you came over to parliament, George is like, Hey man, do acid and see what happens and show up. Like it was just like a complete, uh, I listened to an interview with Bootsy where it was just like, it was just a complete different environment than they were used to. And, but you got that same level of musicianship. I mean, Parliament, like it's easy to write them off because they dress weird and they wear makeup yeah. and a guy's in a diaper. So it's easy to lump them in with like bands like Kiss. But Kiss was doing all that shit to cover up for poor musicianship yeah. and mediocre songs. Yeah. Parliament, they could have shown up in it fucking wearing whatever they wanted to, and you're still gonna groove. The 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 costumes were just because they were having fun. Yeah, I've never it's one of the things that's always re I've regretted is that I've never seen George Clinton live. He used to come to 930 Club uh, all the time. And I just never did, which now if I see him anywhere in New York or if I'm on the road or whatever, and there's going to be a show like 100 percent. I know we're not getting the George Clinton of yesteryear when he was probably, sure. you know, because it's like what I've what I've learned about him is that he's not so much this writer. He's this like orchestrator that yeah. he's not really doing a lot of the singing. I mean, he does in the talky parts, but he's just he's this guy that just he's like a good like executive producer that knows how to get a movie done. 
And he's like, you know what I mean? He's Brian Glazer. Like, he's like, all right, I get a good director over here. That's the bassist. All right, I get a sweet drummer over here. I get this guy to do that. I get these soul singers. And then now, all right, let's start jamming. All right, now let's talk about this. And then he just kind of, he's constantly throwing seasonings into the stew and just mixing it up and mixing it up until, and this is where his brilliance comes in when he's like, all right, it's done. We got a song there. And then let's move yeah. on to the next thing. And there's um, no, especially the first two songs, there's no, there's a chorus, but there's no verses. It's just him talking. Yeah, it really he's just, is. He's just walking around going, welcome to the mothership, man. Here's what's going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. I know what you're used to. And it's also the fr- the thing I love about the first song is that he's like, this is the purest funk that you're going to find. It's Wrong make cut. my funk, make my funk the P funk. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, and they're and also at the time they're one of the first bands to compare shit they're talking drug talk yes oh yeah i I mean that stopped me in my tracks when i first started here i was at the gym working out to this and i'm like and i'm like oh my god dude this is i mean this is just don't want my funk stepped on yeah i don't want to i want no no baby laxative i want this pure (laughs) i want to feel it and and you do i mean I keep saying this is such a fun record, but this really like, dude, Chris, I've been doing this. How long have we been doing this, Jeremiah? How long have we been doing this podcast? Four and a half, uh, and a half years, dude. Yeah. It is not every album is easy. <laughs> yeah, I know. This it it's it gets tough, dude. And there are I'm times sure. where it's like, how the fuck do I listen to this record again? It's not yeah. my style. It's not the mood that I'm in. This. This goes with everything. This goes with walking around the city. This goes with walking around the airport. This goes with working out. This goes with just chilling in the apartment, cleaning. Like you can put this record on. And and if you don't walk out of, of that listening experience with like a pep in your step and a little smile on your face, I yeah. mean, then, you're de- then you're dead inside. You're dead inside. For sure. Which also might be something to address. Yes, you should. Uh, <laughs> we, we recommend. But like, even if you're sad, you put on this record and... and He's like, whatever part of your body needs help, just put it on the radio. Let the vibes flow through because funk not only moves, it can remove. Like that's that's what what's great about this music is it's, it's, it's just going. Yeah, I don't care what mood you're in. We're going to we're going to take you to a new level. If you're sad, we'll make you happy. If we make you happy, we'll make you come. I think that I think that George Clinton, you know, is is just this. I don't know if it was the drugs that did it to him or just his career or, or whatever, but he's always been this, like this, like this, this, this pioneer, like there, there's no one like George Clinton, especially in that era. Um, I, I was trying to think like, like, like who would, who would you think would be like the, the George Clinton that kind of took the torch from him and is kind of, is it Dr. Dre? Is it Dr. Dre? And I'm not saying just in personality, but I mean, like, you know, Dr. I'd say Dr. Snoop more than anyone. Why do you think Snoop? Just because, like, he's he creates the world. Like, he has the world. Like, it's Snoop's world. Uh, I don't know. You know, he does. He's very open about his drug use. Like, it, it, there's, he's very honest with it. Like, Dr. Dre, you know, he smokes weed. But now he's worth like a billion dollars and like see much of him except like in divorce things. (laughs) But like George Clinton's 82 years old. And if you offered him crack, I'm sure he'd be like, fuck, yeah, man, let's do some crack. (laughs) You know, the best the best compliment I've ever gotten in my life. We was after a jam at the Roxy 
And the only way to bring this up because you said this, uh, it was after a jam at the Roxy. Wanda Sykes was on it and she'd been drinking and we're outside smoking a blunt. Me, her and I, I think Chris Red and then Chris Red like walks away and it's just me and Wanda. And she goes, Josh. I love you so much. I'd smoke crack with your ass. And I'm like, God <laughs> damn, I love you. Yeah, man. Uh, you so can smoke yeah, crack. I, wait, hold on, wait, wait. Now, if you could smoke crack with anybody, I'd be George Clinton. Really? Out of yeah. anybody? Yeah, I mean, because that's name a more famous crack user. I'm, I'm saying you could smoke. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. If we're really gonna take it down, because you know, you don't want to say like. You know, you don't want to say John Hamm and then he freaks out and fucking he's yeah. never done it before <laughs> yeah. and then just tra- just trashes your place. Bro, bro. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, if you're going to do it, do it with the number one. Like I wouldn't do coke. Like I'm not a big cocaine guy. But Have if Keith Rick- before? Yeah, I did it coke. once. I did it once and I was like, I don't want this is how I want drugs to not make me feel. Really? Yeah. yeah I've always been a downer guy. But also, if Keith Richards was like, hey, I've got some fucking Keith Richards Merck-style cocaine. You're going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. yeah. No, you have to. Uh, you can't but if turn Brett Michaels shows up you with a blow, to. I'm like, no, nah, I'm fine. <laughs> you know what's uh, funny is, that's, I love that. I love that you just said that. Um, Big J and Soder were like, Brett Michaels was walking around Sirius XM and, and they were like, they were kind of like uh, trying to get him to come in. And so they're like playing poison as loud as you can. So hopefully he walks by and they're, but they're like making jokes about him. And then he actually comes in and they sit down and talk to him and thinking he's going to be this like hand job of a dude. And they're, and then he leaves and they're both like, like it's like you know that thing that Gerard Carmichael had when he would like leave, you'd be like, "Oh my God, Gerard!" Like, like I think he just touched my soul. Like that's uh, how they felt. <laughs> that's how they felt about Brett Michaels. And then they were like, "Oh my God!" It's like he wants us to call him, and they're like, "We're like, they're we're praying that he never listens to the episode that they did, and he listened." And they're like, "Fuck, dude!" He came out to be this great guy. Um, yeah, I mean, back though, you have to be. Like when you're Brett, Mike, like you, you either go one of two ways. You're either the complete quintessential eighties dickhead, or you just have to own it. And, and I think when your hair is attached to your bandana, uh, I think you gotta be the nicer guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Just like you can't be the quintessential dick and be like, anyway, (laughs) let's pull off your hair. You know, I'm going to say this here um, and I because you've known him for years and I told this to Jay and he couldn't believe it. You know, oh God, I, ah, fuck it. Uh, Nick, my drummer, he's got like Brett Michaels uh, hair attached to his hat. It's not really. He's just gone yeah. so bald up top, but he's grown it long down here and he's always wearing that hat. I remember we, I was talking to Jay about it. You know, you know, you know, Nick's bald. He goes, what are you talking about? He's got the longest hair ever. I go, nah, dude. And then I showed him a picture and he was just like, what the f- I mean, it's like, which by the way, <laughs> yeah, how, how, dis- how alarming is that when someone does that? When when they they have yeah, the long yeah, hair, yeah. And then they tell you, you're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, try not to stare, try not to stare, try not to stare. <laughs> Dude, I'll never man, forget, I'll never forget being a kid and I was over at my friend's uncle's house yeah. and his, and his uncle came home and he just pulled his hair off. And I didn't say a word for like an hour. I was just like, I can't. I've never, I knew it was a thing. I just never saw someone take it off. We had Billy Gibbons on. I think, I mean, 
I hear he's never taken his hat off. I don't know, but from CZ Top. Uh, uh, yeah. Speaking of CZ Top, that's the album you did. But uh, yeah, he had the same issue, apparently. Yeah, he's got nice. the hat on permanently. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Dude, I'm spending so much money on keeping the hair that I have right now. Like, I am, dude, I'm, I have to do this thing where I stab my head with these little needles. And Oh, like, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not that bad. It's just, it's like, it's like I, I do it like three times a week. And then I've got like this, this gangster spray that, that, cause you'd be surprised. There's comics that we know that have gotten hair transplants where they take like, they take like hair from the back of your head and then they're putting it up yes. here that, you know, um, Joel McHale. So, Joe McHale, Soder did it, like Mateo Lane, like a lot of But don't you have to keep doing that Like as your hair recedes? Mm, I think, uh, look, I'm not going to say, you know, if you're going to go bald, bald, where you're like this whole area right here, yes. But but see, no, yours is is actually good. Yours looks good. And also, no, it looks good. Yeah. Um, I just bought hats. (laughs) <laughs> i just bought hats cheaper. i gotta and and i keep it short so i'm not fooling anybody no it looks good I, I still remember do you remember that day we were at the comedy store and like it was back when you still had the long hair and i had cut my long hair and you were like and I, oh, you cut you're like you cut your hair i go yeah it's hair it'll grow back and you like looked at me you're like yeah because i was already fine because my hair was atrocious when it was long like i just i'd hoped that it would grow down and it just kept growing out yes and and I was like, and I saw you do it. I was like, I fucking, I think I can do it. And I, and thank God. Cause I've never you look looked great, right. dude. You look fucking thank great you. now, dude. Thanks, um, you, Cause well, you got into, you got into fitness. You got, you became a himbo. You a hundred percent became like me. You're a himbo. <laughs> You're a comedian himbo. It's, it's great. It's, it's, it's something that you have to accept that we like, we like nice shit. You like to, you like to dress nice and you like to smell good. That's yeah. it. There's nothing That's wrong it. with that. What do you think George Clinton smells like? Uh, I bet it's I bet it's not good. Patchouli, <laughs> patchouli for patchouli, sure. A hint yeah. of patchouli. That's not racist uh, though, right? Didn't someone I know get in he, trouble? No, for that's patchouli? normally a white guy thing that's anyway. Ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I you know he's I know he he's usually naked under those togas. I know that. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure he just smells like Incense? old black guy weed. Yeah. Well, he's gotten, you know, like he's such an interesting character. Like, uh, you know, it is I wish we do we have an interview or Jared, is there any way we could just hear a little bit of him talk? Because that's the one thing I love about George Clinton is in any of the little like soundbite clips that I've seen them play of him. He yeah. he talks like his music. It's very, it's oh, very yeah, like 
Yeah, it's like, you know, well, we got to fuck it up and get down with the good times and put it on the, you know, God, that's, <laughs> yeah. uh, now I'm being racist. <laughs> now I'm like, <laughs> we got to hit that bibidub up the doot news. He's just but got which, like a, but that's him, though. That's not being racist. That's he would pioneered it. He was just like, man, we got to come down on the one, baby. Yeah. And uh, I did listen to an interview with him and Bootsy kind of preparing for this. And yeah, what was that yeah, on? I can pull it up. Uh, it was on Spotify. It's uh, it's an RS interview see if we can find video yeah because i'd rather like i'd rather look at them well here there's a here's a good good thing is that the names of them you know to be recruited you had to have like a funk persona like you got bootsy collins dr funkenstein like what would be what would be your you know like The, the daddy long legs of the funk. four-eyed funk of Chris yeah. Porter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They call me they call me Rosacea Face Myers, the funk daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Eggs in my hands. <laughs> gravel, gravel, the gravelly voice tunes of yeah. Josh Myers. <laughs> yeah. We got some real time for skate. Chunky, 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 bear them. Yeah, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna listen to this one on my way to the cardiologist after. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, also, I'm fine, everybody. You definitely feel like you're part of a, a a a movement, a part of a thing when you're listening to this record. You're just like, yeah, I'm on the mothership. We we can do this. Yeah. It is one nation under a groove. Come on. Yeah. So I want to talk about a word that I keep saying since I've heard this because that's this is some of the this what I love about listening to some of these records and especially the '70s, which had some of the best. Uh, you know, uh, slang, vocabulary, book, yeah. yeah, out of any era. Like, I love calling, I love calling, uh, money bread. Like, I love, like, I always talk about, we mentioned Billy Gibbons already. Yeah. And when Billy Gibbons did the 500, uh, Jared, I don't know, were you on with this? When, remember, it was like, yeah. we're, we're doing it and we talked for like an hour and 20. He's the nicest guy ever. And so I go, nice. I go, Billy, thank you so much for coming on. And he goes, oh man, this was a gas. And I'm like, oh, I called it a gas. Like that just made me, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Um, so back in the day I uh, got to meet Bootsy. Oh, wow. I was opening for Tommy Davidson in Cincinnati and I'm, I'm not kidding you. I'm on stage. I was featuring and this dude walks in and I'm like, he looks like Bootsy Collins, but like casual, I called it a casual Bootsy, which also sounds like a sex thing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> He was just wearing all black, but he had he had gemstone shoes on and he had the star glass, star child glasses on. That's and he just casual. walks in and in my head, I'm like, that looks like a casual Bootsy Collins. And he sits down and he walked back and it's him and his brother Catfish, who played for Parliament and also wrote the guitar riff to Sex Machine. Oh wow. Uh they're backstage and I'm losing my mind. Like I'm like it's one of the moments where I'm like not being cool about it. Like I'm just like uh, 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 uh. But I, I, w- I finally got up to Bootsy was leaving and I just said, Hey man, I just want you to know parliament has been one of the biggest influences on my music, uh, my musical journey. And he just went on the one baby. Oh, and I was just like, Oh fuck. That just happened. Yeah. And I was like, I've never been that cool in my entire that's the that's the pinnacle of my coolness. Right. <laughs> and, then, there. And, then, and then and then he went into dap and you tried to like you tried to shake it and then you just yeah, like just you covered shoulder. his hand. <laughs> just the worst thing that you can do in that situation. You're like, yeah. And then I gave him a copy of my rap CD that I've been working on. <laughs> Hey 
guys, I just want to give a quick shout out to all the true music fanatics listening right now and clue you guys in on another great podcast to add to your must-listen list. Nakedly Examined Music is a podcast about songs and songwriting. In each episode, host Mark Linsenmeyer speaks with a songwriter about three of their songs, which you get to hear in full. Nakedly Examined Music explores what motivates creative decisions at every step of a song's creation, from the initial idea to the final recording. It also provides a picture of how a songwriter's work has changed over the course of their career. This is one of the best ways I can think of for introducing you to new music, besides my podcast. And you're going to come away with the podcast with a ton of new favorite songs. You're also going to learn more about legendary artists and you'll get filled in on scenes and genres that you always felt like you should know more about. You'll come away a better listener and a more inspired creator. So start listening today wherever you listen to your podcasts or find the show at nakedlyexaminedmusic.com. That's nakedly, not naked, nakedlyexaminedmusic.com. All right. One of my favorite things that they say in this is tear the roof off the mother. I love that. Uh, And you're, I I think as, as a comedian, I've watched you kill so many times. So I want to know when, when in your career and and a lot of comics, we hate saying the word killed. It's like, we're realistic. We're always striving to get better. If somebody says they killed every show, they're not killing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they have a, they have a low bar as to what killing is low bar. When did you tear the roof off the mother? What was that set that you remember forever? Oh, Man, it had to be one of the last, the one of the live last comic standing ones. Just where, I mean, that was, that was the first time thousands of people had come to see me. And yeah. like, it was a huge event. I think it was it. Um, it was either that or like the, I want to say the Moore Theater in Seattle. In Seattle. Josh yeah. Blue and I did a, did a show there during that whole run. And it was, it had sold out like two weeks in advance. And it was yeah. just, but also I was so drunk for that show. Like, I don't even remember how it went. Uh, I remember it being a big deal, but um, you know, what's weird is what? and I, comics don't really remember the good ones. I can tell, I can name all the shit ones. Give me the shit. All the worst ones. <laughs> give, give me the shittiest of the shit. Uh, Kemper arena. 2000. <laughs> you know, the date October 15, <laughs> 2000. Like I was a feature at best. And they had called me and a friend to do a show after an independent hockey league game. And we did a show in an arena that sat 14,000 people for about 75 people. Oh, my God. and uh, it was at the end of the, they didn't even announce we were going to be there till three minutes left in the third period. And we were up <laughs> by three goals. So everyone was already leaving. Yeah. And uh, then they asked everyone from the west side of the arena to move to the east side of the arena. So for the comedy show. So everyone from the west side of the arena left. Which they loved that. Yeah. So (laughs) it was literally me and like 75 people. And they were all under the age of eight or above the age of 60. There was no one in the middle. And it was it was 20 minutes of sheer torture. How much you get paid? Uh, Like like three hundred dollars. It wasn't bad. Yeah. But I remember we showed up to the comedy club Monday morning as soon as they opened so they we could get our checks before they got the report. Yes. Oh, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> oh, I've been there, dude. Yeah, that's so true. Like, you, you like, I, I can remember sets where I walked off and I was like, yes, but it's it's those bad ones 
that are the ones that really in stand up, it's like, it's, you know, I wonder if bands feel the same way if they're like, cause I bet you, they remember the good ones. Like they, they don't really, the bad ones, of course, but with music, the bad ones are so few and far between. Maybe it's like, there's tech issues, yeah. uh, you know, or like the, maybe one of the band members is too drunk and he's fucking up like the keys or whatever. But it's well, like, I just, I literally just did a radio show with Steve Gorman, the former drummer of the black crows. And he, he oh. rattled off like, like three shit crows gigs like in a row isn't he like angry though like i i don't i've never met him and i need to read that book and i you know and i love him as a drummer no i just for some reason and maybe that's just me assuming because he wrote a book very anti-black crows right yeah uh i mean i wouldn't say it. he just told his story i don't think it was anti this or that i mean obviously he has a discouraging view of the brothers yeah uh but uh I mean, I read the book. There was nothing in there that I was like, that didn't happen. I mean, it was yeah. all, he's a pretty honest dude. And no, he doesn't have any, now he doesn't have any ill will towards the boys. He He's glad they're doing what they're doing and he's happy doing what he's doing. But that's it's like still, a human condition thing to just like, remember the worst, right? It's yeah. Just like imprints on your soul. Well, so like, like yeah. I do remember like the recent good ones. Like I just did the, Boston Garden in front of Bert. Yeah, that like looked I, great. That was amazing. Uh, did I? I did well. Did I tear the roof off? No, I don't think so. Like Bert was never worried. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but there, you know, there have been a handful of shows. I don't remember them, but there's just those nights, those Saturday nights where you, you're clicking, they're clicking, and it just it feels like this. It always feels like this. You walk off stage like, oh, the new hour's done. I just finished yeah. it. Everything's great. And uh, and then you the next show, you're like, oh, no, I still have a lot of work to do. Yes. It's always yeah, it's always the the back and forth. I actually do remember. And I, and I still think this might have been the greatest set that I've ever done. Uh, after the accident, when I was on opiates for seven months, I got off opiates uh, in May of 2012. And... Uh, I was going through, it was a bad detox, like really, really bad detox. And I was very broke and I needed money. And I got offered, maybe while I was still using, I got offered to open uh, for Lunell at UC Northridge. And this is day two of the detox. And that that morning, uh, Julia Lovater said I should go to like a spa to like sweat out all the toxins. She was like kind of like helping me, bringing me juice, cooking yeah. me food. Um, and so I go to this spa and do exactly what she says. Like, I, I mean, I got like a massage and I went in the hot water. I went in the cold water. I did the sauna. I did the fucking steam room. I did a body scrub, which is always the most awkward thing in the world when this Asian man, cause you're naked and they get yeah. every crevice, dude, they get in between your doodads and they do it in a motion <laughs> where they almost punch your balls and dick with one hand and then scrub very quickly as they go right yeah. underneath that. While punch. they're wobbling. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. They're fucking they're I listen, they're the best at what they do and they're yeah. great at it. If you haven't had a scrub by an Asian man, make that a plan in 2023 or at least 2024. Um so so that night I was booked at UC Northridge and uh I remember I drove over there and all the toxins are rushing out of my body. Like I, I, it's, it, it hurts. My stomach is, feels like snakes are fighting and I'm, and I haven't slept because it's so hard to sleep and I'm just pale and, and dehydrated. And, and there, you, it's just, you can't keep anything in, you can't keep anything down. And, and I show up 
I, I listened to I listened to uh, Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers about Peppers. about seventy five times on 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 that ride over, um, and I get there and I walk in and it's in their student union and there's like realistically you know four to five hundred kids just milling around in their game room. There's a stage over there and most of them black too. It's a, it's a, it's for the, I think it's for the black student union. And, uh, they, I, they, I walk in and I meet the booker and we go into this hallway and she goes, all right, so we got a host. It was a student. They're going to go up and do about 10. Then they're going to bring you up. You do about 20. Um, here's your check. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, that's it. And you, nothing's off limits. Say whatever you want. And I'm like, that's great. And I look at her, I go, Hey, is, uh, is there a green room? anywhere I can lay down. Like, I just don't feel well. Um, I think I got food poisoning and she goes, unfortunately, this is it. And we're in the hallway. Oh like, yeah. There's people walking by and I go, this is, this is the green room. She goes, yeah. And I go, all right, I'm just going to lay here on the floor. Um, just nudge me when it's time for me to go up. And I lay on the, I literally lay on the, on the, the ceramic floor. I, I, in the fetal position, I mean, almost shaking, like, and like, lo and behold, uh, 20, 30 minutes later, and people were like walking by and I'm not, I'm just like, oh my, just this white dude at the black student union laying on the floor. That's like, that's like shivering. And they nudge me and I go on stage and all I wanted was to finish that 20 minutes. I, I didn't give one shit how I did. I didn't care what they thought of me. I didn't care how I looked, what I said. I just said whatever the fuck I could to fill that time. And it, and it, I mean, annihilated. Yeah. And and because I think you know this about stand up when you don't give a fuck and you take all the power away from the audience, you know, because we're funny people and, yeah. and, and stand up comedy is 90 percent confidence and all the rest is just like making them because all you got to do is just make them feel like, you know what you're doing. And if you don't give a fuck, then they're like, oh, we have no power over him. So let's just fucking go. Dude, I crushed and to the point where Lunell after the set was like she gave me her number. She was like, dude, that's. She's yeah, like, we're home. We're homies for life now. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. And, and it, it's like, I actually told her that I think story when I had her on the podcast, she's like, Oh, I remember. She she, I was like, yeah, I was like, I was like, yeah, I was oh, going through OBD docs. I was going through OBD. She's like, Oh, I know you look like <laughs> butt cheeks that night. You look horrible. Yeah, man. I tell comics all the time. If there's a set you don't, that like, you absolutely don't want to do. That'll be the set that you you figure out what you are doing on stage. Like yeah. you will all, cause you literally pull back all the man. I hope this works, man. I hope they like me. And you just go, I'll, I'll never forget uncle funnies, Fort Lauderdale. I think I was opening for, no, I was headlining and Hedberg showed up the next night. And I, mm -hmm. I couldn't have given a fuck. Like I was exhausted. Uh, I, sh I literally showed up to the club from the airport. I, yeah. I had flown into Miami. It took two hours to get up to Fort Lauderdale. And I, like you said, I had one of the best sets I had had at the time. And it was just cause, and that was really when I found that kind of angry persona that I currently use because before then I was very goofy and like a little more Harlan Williams esque, just like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> it's your funkadelic. It's your funkadelic. It's right? my funkadelic. And then yeah. I got up there and I was like, when I figured out angry and like, I was like, this is way better. This is just such an easier, this is more me. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so no, I totally understand what you're getting at with that. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. 
What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not so grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. I love it. I love it. All right, Jer, what are the things that we need to mention about this record, dude? Because there's that 45-year-old white guy and that's mad at us right now that we're talking stand-up and not funkadelic. You don't get it, Jay. You don't get it, uh, Porter. Like, <laughs> woo! They they get mad sometimes and throw a couple well, fits. I think one of the most, in, I mean, a lot of this music and it's in, an integral to the West Coast up. And, and Jeremiah and I were talking about before is the Moog synthesizer that that Bernie uses, which is uh, which is stuff like you hear it in Earth, Wind, and Fire, Summer Madness. Just that it's that keyboard that can go. Oh like yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's a Moog, and it's basically a keyboard with a lot of dials. It was uh, really made famous by Robert Troutman from Zap. If you listen to those records, oh, like more Zap about the house, yeah. yeah. So, um, like he and the talk box, like all that stuff that that we're all so familiar with, all that stuff's through a Moog, and uh, it's, I mean, funk records in the seventies. You you had a, if you weren't James Brown, you had a Moog. West Coast hip hop. That's all. It's the first thing comes yeah. to my mind. This, yeah, this this record. If you don't hear uh, the Chronic in every song, then you don't know the Chronic because it's like you can hear "Let Me Ride." That like, yeah. What a great, I, but but also but like, Ice Cube, Snoop Dogg. They all used it. But like, think about this, and I mean, this is you got to give props to Dr. Dre on this for recognizing the gold in an era of, of the beginning of real sampling. Cause I mean, it's, yeah. it's because it, he still changes stuff just enough that it can feel like his um, and, and gives the, but gives the credit throughout the chronic to George Clinton. If I'm not mistaken, George Clinton's on the record, you know, yeah. like I double check that math chair, but like, yeah. I, I'm almost positive. He's on it. Yeah. Well, Parliament was huge on the West coast. Like it just, it was such a bigger, much more bigger deal on the West coast than it was on the East coast uh, that uh, George was saying, we're all over LA radio. And that's, that's where they got it. I mean, that's where Drake, Dre knew these songs because they were all over K day and all these other places back when Dre was a teenager. This I was is going to um, ask why do I hate on Diddy though, for his samples more than Dr. Dre. Is it because Diddy just can't rap? Like I just feel like probably so much better in terms of stealing from, but I think especially with Diddy, like in, when you go into like the, the big moments of like Puff Daddy and the family, it was, I think the songs were a little more 
contingent on the sample. Like with Dr. Dre, those samples are just kind of the beat and the the rapping is kind of what makes it great. Yeah. And with I see I feel like with the Diddy stuff, like I just I just like the gap band fucking the beat. You know, yeah. I just like the beat more than you know, especially once B.I.G. leaves and Puff Daddy yeah. for what he is as a producer is a terrible rapper. Horrible. <laughs> he really yeah, he really is. Uh, so you're just more in tune to what the music is because you're just trying to forget about what he's saying. And I think, <laughs> and I think, I think the those those original like the 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 albums that came out of the West Coast hip hop sound are there's more there's more good than there's bad. Whereas with with Diddy, there's more bad than there's good. And so you just you can you know. Yes, like he did did some of the shit that he did uh, with the family. Like, yeah, all about the Benjamins is a good song, but you know, and and and. Uh, but if you if you think about like, you know, I'm coming, out, that's just using that or like that's a good song. But you have you just have so much crap that yeah. he had put out, and it was too much. Whereas like whereas like the West Coast sound, you you kept it would pop up on MTV and it would pop up on the radio, but you weren't like. Like I felt, I felt like we were being force fed Diddy, whereas like you were getting, you're getting quality over quantity. That's what it is. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I think that there was too much Diddy, whereas there wasn't enough P-Funk fucking chronic -y, you know, you literally had Dre and Snoop and then everything else from that point was like, you just, there wasn't, you know, he had to release another album years later just to kind of, because it was the first one was so big. Yeah, what else? other filler facts. We got Bootsy Collins, uh, who George Clinton produced for, as well as Red Hot Chili Peppers, their yep. album Freaky Styly in 85. Yep. Um, and then back to the hip hop thing. Uh, Clinton's quote is sure, sample my stuff. He remarked in 96, ain't a better time to get paid than when you're my age. You know what to do with money. You don't buy as much pussy or drugs with it. You just buy some. Mm, you goddamn yeah. right, dude. Goddamn <laughs> right. Clinton, uh, what did, what were the stats on this record? Let me see if we got them. Um, the album received it went gold. Yeah, the uh, critics and fans loved it. It had since been viewed to be one of the best P Funk albums ever made. It became the first P Funk album to be certified gold and later platinum. And on June fifth, nineteen seventy six, almost a half a year after its release, it peaked at number thirteen on the Billboard two hundred. And in total, it spent thirty seven weeks there. Exactly a week afterwards, it peaked at number four on the top R&B hip hop records chart and in total spent 33 weeks there. Uh, among those accolades, VH1 once named it the 55th greatest album of all time. Um, and uh, is this the only time? Yes, yeah, this is the only time we're talking about uh, George Clinton and Parliament on the 500 and on the 2020 re-rank because this Porter, this list, we're using the uh, the 2012 list for this uh, podcast on the 2021, the one that came out after George Floyd, which changed a lot of like they finally they asked. It wasn't just old, all old white guys, you know, submitting yeah, their, yeah. their 500 greatest albums. Uh, this one actually drops to number 87 on the 2020 re-rank at 363. Wow. Yeah. I find that hard to believe. You'd think it would be more revered as time went on when you see just how, what an impression it made on the world, on the, on the music world. Yeah. I, well, I'd actually be surprised to find out, uh, Jer, if you want to look it up, did, what did, what did maggot brain do? Did maggot brain go back or cause it's gotta be on there. 
I'd be shocked if Maggot Brain's not on there. I mean, because I, I really, you know, they say like you measure greatness by what what it changed. Like everything changed after this record. Like especially in the funk world, like people were like, "Oh my god!" Like we can make not just a record that 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 fucks, but also like it, create a world like where people can come in, and this isn't just this isn't just a record that you're walking into. You're walking into this community. I love yeah. it. Yeah, you said it so well. It's a world, but yeah, Maggot Bring went from 479 when we did that from uh, with Bar- uh, Baron Vaughn, and it went all the way down on the 2020 re rank to number 136. Well deserved. I yeah. I, I think that that album. Look, I, I, it's apples and oranges. They're totally different records. Uh, both great in their own ways, like completely. Both influential in their in their own ways, but. Fuck, man. Like, this is why I enjoy doing the podcast is because you get these records that come out sometimes that you really, really weren't expecting uh, to, to enjoy as much as you did. And, and man, it's like, is this just this this record is making me want to listen to more funk. You know, I put on the oh, Brothers yeah. Johnson. I've been listening yeah. to the JBs. Uh, you know, there's there's James Brown in the Jungle Groove. Yes. Well, did we do that? I think we did that on this podcast, didn't we? I'm sure you did. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did. There. Oh God, dude. That's and that you want to talk about a sample. Every drum beat from that record is on some hip hop record. We spent 90% of the time going, well, this was sampled on this and this was sampled on that. Yeah. Clyde yeah, Stubblefield just Brown puts on, on a clinic. Yeah. All yeah. right. And we didn't even talk about aliens because we had them shot down UFOs this week, which I don't know how deep you want to go into that, but I will say this quote from George Clinton is pretty solid. He said, we put black people in situations nobody ever thought they would be in, like the White House. I figured another place you wouldn't think black people would be was in outer space. I was a big fan of Star Trek. So we did a thing with a pimp sitting in a spaceship shaped like a Cadillac. And we did all these James Brown type grooves, but with street talk and ghetto slang. Yeah, well, he was a huge sci-fi fan. Like you, you that that's what blew me away is that this album. I can't remember what the what the book was. It's not Chariots of the Gods or something like that, but it was a book about you know Earth meeting aliens. And this record, he goes, in my vision, the aliens were black, and that's and that's what this record is. And the and so they built the mothership connection uh, for the. Well, so the mother, the ship that's on the cover is actually the ship from, uh, from the day the earth stood still the movie. Oh, wow. And then they went out and built like a life-size mothership to use for their live shows. And George would come down in the mothership. Like that's how he made his entrance. And that, that mothership is now in the Smithsonian. Oh, dude, that's crazy. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to see him. Mothership Connection came out of George Clinton and Bootsy Collins seeing a UFO one night. We were in the Bermuda Triangle. Collins were called to Uncut Magazine. We were fishing and getting high and the Mothership Uncut. Contact. By the way, Uncut Magazine, the best magazine for uncircumcised penis uh, men. It's like the it maxim is. for it is. the maxim for the goys. Man, <laughs> it is way better than sausage tips, yeah. which is the crack to its mad. <laughs> oh, it's such a low-hanging fruit joke, but man, that, <laughs> know, hey. that's so funny. I'm in a town place suites. This isn't high end comedy. Dude, 
Here, I, I gotta run. I gotta go get my heart checked. We gotta wrap this up. I hate Let's to wrap it. this up, man, because I'm like, we'll have you back, home. Porter. Like, you oh, definitely. Please. I love having you on. I love you. Um, uh, so we got we got to do these. We ask everybody these questions. Okay. Um, what's your favorite song on this record? Uh, it would probably be "Tear the Roof Off the Sucker." I'm gonna go track one, man. Uh, I I love uh, the raw and cut. Now this is a loaded question uh, because there's so many, there's so few. But what what song on this record do you skip over? I, I hate to say hate or dislike, but what what have you skipped? I over? don't really skip over any. You know that that was a funny thing. You know you you listen to the hot tracks as anyone. I'm like, and normally I would have skipped over. Like you don't want to skip over handcuffs because that's put your handcuffs on your mama. What a great line. Yeah. Uh, probably night. I mean, I guess the last one night of the thumpasaurus people, but really I'm probably not going to skip it. Yeah. I, you know, what's funny is I just, I'm not saying I, I disliked that, uh, the last song on the record, but it didn't, it wasn't like you could have moved some of the other stuff that was on there up and, and vice versa. It's like, I liked the pacing of this record though, but, uh, if I had to pick one, I would say night of the thumpa thumpasaurus peoples. All right. Can you fuck to this record? 100%. 100%. You better. Even if you're not going to, even if you start the record not fucking, you're probably going to be fucking by track four. Yeah. It's a, this is definitely, I think the, the most fuckable one. I mean, it's, I think track one, now nah, track one or track two, you can, you get, it's like if I'm pulling one off for the sex playlist. Uh, I track one. It's a uh, track ones. I, I, I dude. If, if you don't put the, this on and hear P funk, uh, wants to get funked up and, and you're like ready to, I'm telling you, it's just, this is like, this is like musical Prozac. Right? Musical Viagra. Yeah. I want Viagra, but <laughs> yeah, it's Viagra and Prozac. Viagra. Viagra. Um, all right. What, uh, what would be your elevator pitch to get somebody to listen to this record, Porter? If you want to hear how funk got started, this is one of the records. Perfect. That's perfect. I, I agree. Uh, if you're, if like to all the listeners, man, like I keep telling you to listen to the records, but um, you know, do maggot brain, do this, and then just open up your horizon to this incredible music that came out in the seventies and really to be the end of the sixties. But you know, we're, we're, you're getting, all the hip hop that you've listened to for the last 50 years, because hip hop's been out for fucking 50 years now, man. Um, it, it's, it's all, it all comes from, from, you know, a lot of it from this record. So Dude, even uh, they even do the first shit talking song on take it to the stage is nothing but them calling out every funk artist that they thought stole from them and telling them why they're not very good. Yeah, that's what, that's, that's what fucking Tupac did, where he's like, fuck you. You stole from the Arista yeah. Records and this motherfucker. Yeah, dude. Yeah, well, the Parliament did it in 1975, where they call, the, they call James Brown, uh, they go, oh, the godfather, more like the grandfather. <laughs> and uh, they, they go, earth, hot air, and no fire. <laughs> like that's <laughs> the badass. So, yeah. Promote away, dude, please. Anything you want to promote? Uh, I am on tour right now. I got a new special coming out in April on YouTube called There's No Money in Babies. And uh, just go to chrisportercomedy.com for all the other stuff. Dude, I love you. Thank you, brother. Love you too, brother. Thank you for having me.
What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Chris Porter. Follow him on all social media at I am Chris Porter and go to his website, chrisportercomedy.com. Make sure you check out his new special that's coming out. He's one of the best. I love him. Support him. For new music, we have Salt, uh, their song Morning Sun of their 2022 record, 11. And you can find links to the website, the500podcast.com. And if you want your song played at the end of this episode, send us your song to 500podcast at gmail.com. Next week, it's Eminem week. Oh, shit. Eminem, Slim Shady LP, 1999. The big one. This is it. We're diving in. Eminem. We'll talk to you next week.
Lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Mike Wiebe, and I'm the singer in a band called The Riverboat Gamblers. And I'm Zach Blair. I play guitar in a band called Rise Against. Mike and I also have a band called The Draculas, and we also have this great, amazing new podcast called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah, each week we're going to ask ourselves and we're going to ask our guests what three favorite things they are into at that moment or in their entire lives. And then we're either going to agree with them or we're going to make fun of them. And uh, you're going to listen to it and you're going to like it or we will make fun of you. How about that? I just flipped it on you, the person listening to this right now. But we're going to do it every week here on the Sound Talent Network. Once again, it's called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Next Chapter Podcasts.